This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Good morning, Brianna. Welcome. Good morning. So I want to introduce you before we get started. Um, you are Brianna Colette, my incredible friend, but also you are a psychic medium, a relationship coach. Brianna has helped hundreds of women find self-love and many of them she has receipts for. They've become engaged, married, and had babies. Brianna Ooh. is a friend. <laughs> yes, but I'm so excited to have her here on this podcast because we have so many juicy conversations that I thought we would take it to the air and let people in on it. So how are you today and where are you tuning in from? Yes, thanks for having me, babe. I'm so excited to download with you. Um, I am recording this beautiful podcast with you from San Diego, California. Nice. So you are moving back to Florida, but you're taking a little hiatus in San, San Diego, right? Yes. I can't wait to be back in Florida. Love my Southern Florida weather. It's very cold and rainy here in San Diego. And being a Southern California girl, I didn't realize how much I love the sun. So Florida is my now home state for sure. I get it. I'm from NorCal and it's just still not enough sun and heat for me. It's not. <laughs> like a lizard. I'm like a lizard. Take me to the desert or take me to the tropical humidity. Um, so I don't even know where to really drop in and get started except for let's maybe, cause we have so many fun, wild stories and places to go. And I'm sure we'll get there on this episode. So where you're at in your life right now is fast forward. I met you only a few years ago and you were newly in a relationship with your now husband, Jay, within a less than a year of getting married, you had your daughter. So you're a real testament to the work that you do, which is relationship coaching, right? And now so many of your clients have received the same exact, not same exact, but the same desired experience, right? Yeah. And I like to call it like the upgrade in love. The upgrade in love. They've all received the upgrade, right? I know from behind the scenes and being your friend so much of, and also being in a relationship and for 10 plus years now, Gabe and I've been together almost 12 years, no, 11 years. And I know what it takes to be in a relationship. And I personally don't believe that you have to be healed first to receive love, but I think there's so many misconceptions and I want to demystify what relationship coaching is, because I think a lot of people come to you and especially because you're a psychic medium as well. I think a lot of people come to you and they think, okay, I'm going to learn how to project my energy and attract the person I want. Like it's all manifestation and that you can wave your crystal ball and you can say, he's not the one, she's the one right, wrong. And it's really a lot more nuanced and a lot more internal work. And I know from firsthand experience and as do you being in the thick of it. Right. So talk totally. to me about like the, like the work and like the myth that people come to you with and like what actually happens. Yeah. So it's really interesting because I think 
very few people are walking around saying like, I don't want love and I don't want companionship and I don't want connection. Right. Most people are, especially the women that I meet and like want to work with me, they're kind of saying to their friends or having these conversations over wine or coffee, tea, whatever. And they're saying, well, he's going to show up. He's going to come. It's all about timing. Right. And while some of that is true, I find that on a very deep level that there's a lot of fear around love and being open to it. And so in a lot of ways, I talk to people and either they're not even aware that they're doing it or they're not, they haven't like shifted out of the belief system or the behaviors of they're actually blocking themselves. Mm -hmm. So it, yes, you can write down your affirmations all day long and you can mm -hmm. create your vision board for the life that you want to live and the man that you want to call in or woman, you know, this relationship that you want to have. But if in a very real deep way, you are subconsciously holding on to this like fear and belief that you don't know how to receive it. And so subconsciously you're sending out this signal to the universe that like, you're not ready for it. You don't want it. Don't send it my way. And a lot of the work that I do is reprogramming. Like, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. What are the ways that you specifically are blocking yourself from attracting in that, that person and calling it in? Because, you know, I joke around and, and say, I was, I was on one of my group calls last night that I have relationship rehab, which is my, like my signature process that I take clients through. And we had our first call last night and I was just kind of like setting the tone for this container. Right. And I was telling them, you know, the universe, God, Allah, spirit guides, whatever you believe is not going to pry, you know, your free will out of your cold, dead hands. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. If you don't want to receive it. And if you on some level are saying no, 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 no. But then you're telling your friends or you think you're telling yourself, yes, yes, yes you're always going to default back into that lower vibrational frequency of what you're saying really loudly in some ways. I'm not ready. I don't want it. Right. And so what is, what's happening when you're on like a different end of the spectrum? And I mean, it's not even that different. It, it's, it comes back to the same thing. It's your subconscious programming, but a lot of people women that I know, they're not even so like, I'm open to it. I'm ready. They're actually like, I'm dating. I'm ready. It's a little bit more aggressive and they keep attracting the same person. I yes. have my own perspectives on this because there's something called an Imago relationship. I don't know if you know the work of Imago, but it's, I forget what it stands for. Um, but it's when two wounds come together fit per to fit perfectly. And it's not like twin flames where it's, where it's for eternally toxic. And it's not like just trauma bonding. I'm talking about two wounds come together to tango, like two come to dance and they, they fit perfectly. And the one thing triggers the other shadow and it does oftentimes feel toxic. But if both people are willing to put in the work, then you can evolve out of this uh, toxicity and you can actually like be a polish for each other, which is very much Gabe and I's story. But before I met Gabe, or I would say in the early days when I met Gabe, 
it very much looked like a twin flame. We literally were like Googling, like, and having conversations with people like, are we twin flames? Like, is that what's it? Is this a karmic relationship? Like, because he kept appearing as the person I had dated before, non-committal, lying, cheating. And at the surface, that was the same thing going on. And I also have noticed that Gabe is not that far different from my own father. Like I really did end up dating. He looks different. The The career looks different. It's like on the outside, everything looks very different. But I ended up dating one of the same people that I had dated this whole time, except this one was willing to do the work. And in so many ways, I was finally ready to do the work. Right. And so it's not necessarily to me, what I, I guess what I'm saying is like, so often it's like, is it the one I'm looking for the one it's not the one it's like, once you find your fucking self and you heal that programming, it could be anyone who's also willing to show up and do the work with you. And that one could last a while or forever. And I think that is the choice that's up to you. Right. So what, so when these people are, when these women are going around saying like, I'm ready, I'm dating, I'm aggressive. And like, they keep meeting the same exact person. It's not that they haven't met the one, right? Like it's that they haven't, there's something in them that they just haven't excavated yet, or they haven't left it on guard. Like, what is it? Tell me. Yeah, exactly. So I love that you brought this up because at the end of the day, where we go wrong, right, is that we have like, I see so many women who have this expectation that they can like change somebody or fix it, or they, they are ignoring the red flags because they're, they're hoping that somewhere down the road, despite all of the evidence that they are receiving, that it's not working, that this relationship isn't good for them, that there's not forward motion. There's not this equal reciprocation, like what you were talking about in this Amago relationship between you and Gabe, where you're, Oh, listen, let me tell you, that was two years down the road. I was holding a lot of fucking space for, we were holding a lot of space for each other. It was crazy, but I don't recommend that. And especially once you're past 30, you don't have time for that. I was 28 years old. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I mean. Like this is the, like the exception, right? Like Danielle's story is like, wow. Like she, they really like came together and worked hard at it and had a very different outcome than most people. So don't listen to Danielle's story and align and like fantasize in your head. This guy that's showing you all of these signs that he's noncommittal, that he's emotionally unavailable, that he can't be trusted and that he's not showing up for you that somewhere down down the road, it's going to shift for you. Like Amaya Angelou says, friends, when people show you who they are, believe them. Mm-hmm. And the reason that this is so powerful as to why we're having this conversation is it's because what you are doing when you are refusing to see the red signs and you you're in this space where you're like, I can make it work, or you're holding out hope that it's going to shift somewhere. All of that projection and focus on somebody else and these external situations and other people's free will and their choices is all avoidance of the inner work where you're not willing to meet yourself and figure out, huh, well, why do I find men like this so attractive? Why do I find that people who really don't show up for me or make me feel small or insignificant or unlovable 
Why is that so attractive to me? Why am I radiating towards these people? Do you want to know my answer? My answer, answer? my answer was, or the projection was he's untrustworthy. He's a liar. He's a cheater. Every time I look, I find, and look, it's predictable. It's all him. And then when I started doing the work, what I realized was the story I was telling myself was that it had been safe for so long to be unlovable unconditionally that I would always choose somebody who would do that to me so that I could pick a fight and run away and then get pulled back in and told how much they need me because that was my insecure attachment. Right. Yeah. And my anxious attachment, I wanted to be like somebody to be obsessed with me. Like it couldn't just be in a neutral, loving, calm, safe, peaceful, peaceful (laughs) relationship. I needed it to be like, I need you and I can't live without you. And secondly, I needed to continue the story that I, um, that's because I wanted to be single at the end of the day. I liked my freedom and I would choose people who liked their freedom because it's actually a val it's a value that I admire in people, but I didn't want them to have their freedom. I wanted to have my freedom and I wanted to control theirs. And isn't it crazy the games we'll play inside of our head to like manipulate reality in a way that fits the narrative that we need. (laughs) It was so subconscious too. Like I can look back very clearly now and tell you that. And it probably clicked within the first, the the, what's incredible about this work, relationship therapy or relationship coaching, or just doing the inner work with an advocate on your side and a space holder is that like, guys, like I figured this out like three weeks into our sessions, like three sessions in. So three hours with a space holder. And I was like, holy shit, I'm the untrustworthy one. I'm the shady bitch. (laughs) So it's incredible, right? Like you can have such quick quantum breakthrough with somebody else holding space for you and holding up a mirror. It's amazing. Especially you, you just tell it like it is. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about being a psychic medium, right? Is I see this a lot. You don't mean to be lying and, and giving a version of events and stories to your therapist, but I bet your bottom dollar you are because we all do it. We all fudge Mm -hmm. the details, right? To put ourselves in a better light. And it's that like subconscious bullshit that we do to protect ourselves and insulate ourselves from like the true accountability of seeing ourselves in that uncomfortable shitty mirror that by seeing ourselves we break through so as a psychic medium i see this all the time with clients who have been like going to therapy for years and they're like while i've made progress i'm still in a lot of respects in the same like bullshit two-step that I, I I'm doing in relationships. I'm logically aware that I'm doing it, but like, I don't know how to break the pattern as a psychic medium. I'm connecting in on the back end of things of where the real truth is not the stories you're telling me. And I'm able to like hone in on what that subconscious is telling me about what the issue is and how to break the behavior and move through it. Yeah. I love that. You know, that um, Brie and I were both, 
uh, cast amongst some of our other friends to be on a psychic reality show. It's true. <laughs> I'm also a psychic medium. Um, and my gift is very much the same, except it's not necessarily for relationship, although it can be applied, but not really. Um, I'm actually really blurry there in relationship because I see so much, I have so much empathy and I've also seen people change and I really do believe people can change. I just don't know if like in relationship that that's possible for everybody, right? Like I think people do grow and evolve and change. I just don't know that every relationship is the perfect container for that. Um, So I don't, I try not to give too much relationship advice. I'm just like, if this feels right right now, that's probably what's best for you. <laughs> I just, I'm like, I'm just a space holder and that when that, when it comes to that, but, um, with, you know, what is crazy about psychic is like, or the, my psychic ability is that I can see people's, I can see people's careers. I can see like their future self. I can see their next vision version of them coming to life or what's like lacking there, like the place mm-hmm. that they're holding back the shadow as which is so much of what my branding sessions used to be. I don't do them so much, but I do have them available on my website. I just don't promote them. Um, and the other thing I, that happens is I see people's, I've predicted people's deaths. I'm like a, mm. a death psychic. Although I, I never really tell anybody about it except Gabe. Cause um, <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> don't worry. It hasn't been about you. Um, yeah. So I want to talk a little heavy. Yeah, it's kind (laughs) of weird. And also like, what if I'm wrong? It's just a dream, right? Um, What about, so I want to talk about like how you got to this place where you're so embodied. Like, I think like the one, the one thing I know to be true about you in our friendship and what people also experience about you is just, you're so empowered. You're so embodied. You're so trustworthy. You're a woman's woman. You're going to tell it like it is. You're an amazing space holder. You're not going to talk shit. Like all of the things, just a perfect 10 of a friend. But like, how did you Thanks, get here? babe. You're welcome, babe. But like, how oh, did you get so- here? Because that's so nice to be seen like that. So thank you. <laughs> you're so welcome. It's really, it's really true. Um, I, I think that it's like sometimes we meet people, right? And we think, man, this just must be so easy for them. Like they just must, this must be their natural inherent gift. But I, what I know to be true about you is that you've been through some shit. And like, that's the point of this podcast, right? Is to speak to people who have really arrived in their embodiment and understand where they, what they went through and why they went through it and what their spiritual awakening was like and kind of demystify this reinvention process. Because I know you come from the hospital or from the beauty industry or hairdresser before in LA, you lived in Los Angeles, California, which is like its own wild, wild. I mean, I was living in Miami beach at 22. You were living in LA at 22. So we're just on opposite ends of the, the coast doing the craziest shit. Cause I was also a hairdresser, which is why I came <laughs> yeah. here. So we have some funny backgrounds. So like, tell, tell me about your spiritual awakening and, um, and how you've arrived here. And I don't know if you want to get into the apartment story that you told me on the couch one night, but we're here oh, for all yeah. of it, baby. I'm here for all of it. So it's so poignant, right? Because rebellious reinvention has really truly been like my life story. <laughs> so 
I was raised in a very religious, almost like, you know, cult-like, I would say, um, religion where it was lots of control, right? Lots of shame. Me and, too. Yeah. And it, it took me, um, really learning how to like think for myself. And when I was 19 years old, um, I was basically like excommunicated from the religion and like kicked out and I had to reinvent myself. I had no friends, a lot of the family, everyone that I had kind of grown up with, like that was the punishment for stepping out of line. Right. And I'm oh, sure yeah. a lot of people yeah. can relate they to that. You know? you. Yeah. Like your persona non grata. And so that was like another point in myself where I started to reinvent my life. And as you can imagine, a young girl, a young woman with losing that foundation of everything that she grew up with, and I was living in Los Angeles, <laughs> I was lost in the sauce. Okay. I was, you know, doing your typical shit, you know, going out, partying. Um, and I did that for many, many years. And, um, I, I did create a life for myself in LA. You know, I became, I was working on sets. I was working with celebrities and I was successful from the outside looking in, right? A lot of people, you know, I had nice cars. I took nice vacations. I had like a very active social life. Um, and then it was time for me to reinvent myself once again, because I was not on my life path. I was living in this like, survival mode where I had to figure it out, right? When I had nothing and nobody and I had to kind of recreate myself, but this is not the life that I came here to live ultimately. And my the really the start of my spiritual awakening was when um, I witnessed a murder. It was my next door neighbor and um, his adult son had mental health issues and had like a psychotic break one, one night. And I ended up being kind of like the first, like first witness to it all. I watched the scene unfold. And of course, as you can imagine, watching something like that go down, I had PTSD. I had a lot of anxiety, panic attacks. Like I just wasn't in a good space, girl. Sure. I was having, <laughs> I was having, um, suicidal thoughts. And I was very much like a zombie going through my own life. Um, and I realized like, I can't live like this. I felt like I was starting to like lose grip on who I was. And so that was like, okay, like I ain't no punk bitch. I'm not going out like this, you know? <laughs> and so mm -hmm. I started to really delve into holistic healing work because while Western psychology and therapy had been helpful for me, it still didn't shift the way I was feeling on the inside about myself. So I started in on this journey to what's deeper. Like I want to feel differently about myself. And so that's what opened me up to this like woo woo world. And when I started to notice like, noticeable shifts within how I felt about my life is when I was like, oh, there's something to this because I've never been happier. And while a lot of things are leaving my life, I feel freer. I feel happier. I feel more like myself than I've ever been. Um, go and ahead. why were, why were things, why were things leaving your life? Because for me during those moments of transition, so many things do leave your life and simultaneously nothing feels truer to the truth 
than that space. And oftentimes it feels good in some way, but also there's like, there's like grief as you experience that space because things are leaving your life or maybe you experience that grief afterwards. So why were things leaving your life? Had you reestablished your boundaries? Were you choosing different friends? Like what was that like? Yeah. Well, so as I started to step into the person I came here to become, right, I started using my voice. I stopped doing a lot of stuff that actually was um, deeply rooted in like avoidance, which is like drinking, partying, you know, just like, like I said, like lost in the sauce of like LA nightlife, you know, where you're go, 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 busy, busy, busy. And I was reevaluating you know, what I was doing with my time, who I was spending it with. And then as I stepped into this work, it made a lot of people uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because I was finally starting to look at myself with that mirror I was speaking about earlier in a really authentic way. And I took radical accountability for my own behaviors and like the ways that I was showing up in friendships. Um, and and I didn't like what I saw. And so by me elevating and growing and evolving, it held up a really uncomfortable mirror, I believe, to the people who weren't ready to go on that journey as well. And so it's easier for people to kind of like, you know, take several steps back from you and stay stuck. Whereas I was on this like paradigm shift. I wanted to quantum leap and like... yeah. I'm just, I'm just like that. I'm a Capricorn, right? Like I'm the little goat that like wants to get to the top of the mountain. The little goat, um, the little goat that yeah, could. could. Um, I was changing my, my job. I was stepping into, think about it, right? Like, you know, I was in the hair world, which very much is like gl- glamour and flashy and money and like a lot of ego. And shit and here talking. I was. So much shit fucking talking. gossip. So the whole business is centered around gossip. And I think that's one of the craziest parts of it is like, and hospitality as well. It's, they're so similar. It's like your downtime, your client time, you're the therapist. Like that's, that's, of course you're a perfect space holder as a coach and relationship coach. You've been practicing it for years, but like with different sets of rules, the integrity is not always there. Like your hairdresser is not, not talking shit. You guys, I'm sorry. Just be very careful what you tell your hairdresser. I can tell you from firsthand experience, like to gossip train, whether or not like you were keeping your, you know, your client's privacy with you, there's like no HIPAA act. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not a therapist, but like just that, but that setting and that environment and especially in the city you're in, like, I really get it. And what happens when you start to evolve and you have a spiritual awakening is that it does trigger people around you because they're used to you being their safe space to also be small with. They're used to having a partner in commiserating. They're used to having a partner in gossip. They're used to having... A, partner, a drinking buddy, a, a drinking buddy, you know, that's what I was going to say, like a codependent friendship in all their bad habits. And as soon as you decide to unplug that for your, from yourself and for yourself, what do you have in common anymore? What do you have in common? Not a lot. And, and what happens is like they, they're triggered and they either back up casually and just start to avoid you or like they literally will ixnay you from your environment and your group and, and, it will lead to like cutting off whole groups of friends. But the truth in that is that 
it was codependent anyways. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of times, like I see clients go through these spiritual awakenings and transition in their lives and they don't want to let go of the friendships, but the friendships are where the habits were rooted. You know, the life's even your career is where the habits are rooted. And so it's really important to reevaluate everything at those times and really be radically honest, like you said, taking radical accountability. So you went through this life change. You started using your voice powerfully after you witnessed the murder. That's how this, that's how you tapped into all these holistic methods. Um, what's, how did you finally exit that aspect of your career and land on coaching and really being a space holder and healer yourself? Yeah. So for a while I was right. There was like a lot of shedding happening. And another thing I want to tell people is get rid of your stuff. Don't be mm-hmm. so attached to your material possessions because oftentimes your material, material possessions are very much like dead weight. And like, I remember the first thing that I did with like creating space in my life was like, I had a Maserati. Okay. Like (laughs) I had very fancy, very fast car. And I just like felt no longer, that was very much like an old identity for me. And like, I started getting rid of my stuff and, um, I started to really kind of like use my time valuably. And so I was straddling, still doing hair and still coaching at the same time. And then, um, that's around the time when I met Jay, actually Jay was the first person, my husband was the first person I told that I wanted to be a coach because he was like, yeah, he was like the first person that was outside my friend group that seemed like really, um, in the work in his own way as well. And I'll never forget when I told him that I wanted to be a coach, he was like so supportive and thought it was so amazing. Um, and so he was really like my first, um, really beautiful space, the space he held for me, right. Gave me the confidence to believe I could do it. And then, um, when COVID hit, I had already uh, like what, February, 2020, I was already, I had this coaching business and I I had my hair business and I had to pick, I had to pick which one I was going to do. And it was really hard for me to walk away from my hair business because it was very lucrative. It had created Mm -hmm. a really comfortable lifestyle for me. And I really, for for many people, COVID really put into perspective, like what was important. And I sold all of my belongings. I'd already gotten rid of my car. So I got rid of my place in LA on sunset. I sold all of my belongings and I moved to Canada to be with Jay because we had no idea if the world was ending or not. And so I moved to a new country and I really took a chance and I dove headfirst into my coaching business and um, really stepped into like full commitment into showing up in this, in this space of what I'm here to do on earth. I love that. And I feel like that brings us really up to date because we talked about, you know, obviously now you and Jay have a baby. How old is, how old's Messiah? Messiah is going to be nine months old, nine months old. So Jay and you have been together like two years, not even four years, almost four years. Yeah. But married. yeah. Oh, we've been married yet. Yeah, we're coming up on our two year anniversary married for two. Yeah. Together for four. You started your coaching business then. So let's talk about Jay holding space for you and all the ways that he does. And also this conversation around, this is what we were jamming on like a few weeks ago. And I was like, let's have you on the podcast because 
you know, you can heal a lot of your rooted trauma and your patterning, right? And the way that you're seeing yourself in the world and unblock the aspects of you that are saying no. Then the deeper work is once you're in relationship and you've allowed that person in, how you're treating them and how they're showing up for you, which comes before actually you're in relationship, but it's an ever evolving topic once you're in relationship, right? This is like an ever evolving. It's almost like the way I see it are like, it's like a a Petri dish. (laughs) Like it's like we're in this experiment and like there's a constant ebb and flow of responsibilities. And what we're talking about is masculine and feminine energies that are balanced with each within each person, right? So there's a man and he has a masculine and feminine. There's a woman, she has a masculine and feminine. And I bring this up because like right now you're the breadwinner in your family. Like Jay is in full support of you. He's stay at home dad. I mean, you guys are both, you work from home, but he's your support system and he's running the back end of your business. But at this moment, he's still waiting on his citizenship, right? We and finally so, got it. But girl, you've been in this fucking work for two years trying to get it. And this man, I have seen him show up and be still a provider, still a support system, still masculine. And so at the same at the same time, so beautifully humble and not walking around with a chip on his shoulder about it, getting knocked down and getting back up. Um, and so how do we as women hold space for men to have that divine masculine, you know, space and, and those qualities, because I think so much of society is emasculation. Like the feminism movement is like, fuck these dudes. We don't even need them, but like Mm -hmm. they are the other half. We do essentially, we need each other. And so how do we, how do you do that in your family and your relationship? And what does that look like? in the world as women. Yeah. It's so funny. You know, that Miley Cyrus song that's out right now, I can buy myself flowers, that one. Mm -hmm. I'm like, don't get me wrong. It's a bop. I love it. (laughs) But I I want all of the ladies who are like paying attention and listening to that song and listening to this podcast, just be really mindful. Like if that's really the energy that you're aligning to, right. You were saying like, we don't need them. We absolutely need each other. And Um, back to like when you were talking uh, between your relationship between you and Gabe, right? These two stones that are polishing each other, a hundred percent, your, your relationship that comes in is going to challenge you. You're going to have to see yourself in so many ways. And, and that's what Jay and I do for each other. It is this constant evolution of noticing where, your projections, especially strong women like us, right? Like the whole Mm -hmm. feminist thing that you're saying is that we can kind of be too controlling or too assertive. And we, we, especially if a guy is, um, respects you and loves you, he might want to take a back seat to that and just like happy wife, happy life sort of a, a ideology, right? Oh, God. So we need, we need to be mindful that it's not like we're at, we're wearing the pants energetically in the relationship because what you're creating is a disempowered man in your relationship. And then women wonder why they're the ones that are doing it all. And then they become the martyrs and then they become, uh, 
resentful of yeah. having to to take on everything because the entire time you've been telling him, I got it. I got it. I don't need it. I prefer to mm-hmm. be in charge and you just take a back seat and then you create, look at the mess you've created in the dynamics of your relationship. Yeah. And I think it's, it's very important to acknowledge like, so if we, we want med to provide for us, but that's not always financially, right? It's like, it's emotionally. The biggest aspect is like, a woman's natural innate ability is to rule in her emotions, right? To be an emotional space. It doesn't, I don't care what sign you are, what human design you are. We're, we're, we're the moon of the relationship, right? We are in our emotions. We, we get to experience the most dynamic range of emotions. We're creators. We literally have a womb space, whether you're a mother or not. And so the man's role besides quote unquote providing financially or home, it's really not about that. It's about to give, it's about giving the woman space to unearth that depth of emotion in a safe container, right? Like that's why Jay was the first person you told he wanted to be a coach because he was the safest container you had experienced in that moment in your life. And I can attest to that so much with Gabe. He is, he's a Scorpio, right? He's very emotional, but it's very under the surface. Gabe's always cool, calm, and collected. Um, And that aspect about him allows me to range in my emotion from sometimes rage anxiety, depression, fear. It's not always, it's not always my healthiest. It's not necessarily at him, but it allows me to experience that range of emotion because I know Gabe's got me. Like I know Gabe's not going to look at me differently afterwards, after I experience those things. And Isn't I think that that's the safest thing for your, like your nervous system to be yes. like loved unconditionally like that. Oh, it's so soothing. It's so soothing. And to like, there's been times where I've literally felt like I went fucking crazy, mentally, emotionally, like heal. I was healing from this concussion. I feel like it's been back to back to back. I've been sick. I've had a concussion. I've had a cold. I've had so many experiences that I've had yet in the last just six months to a year, plus postpartum depression, plus, plus what my body went through after I had a kid. And you're like, you feel, I felt disgusting at times. I felt so much shame. And although I've, I've healed so much of that, I thought for sure, he's never going to look at me the same. How could he? And it couldn't be further from the truth. Having somebody that really respects you for who you are and all that you are in those shadows is really the ultimate gift, right? It's like, that's masculinity, for a man to be able to witness you and all that you are in your brokenness and your beauty and your glory and just be in fucking on, have more respect for you. It's that. And so how do we, how do we see ourselves in that way and allow men to have that? Or like, how do yeah, we, how do we bring a man in that has that? Right. So the first thing that like comes through as we're talking about this is this is where we go wrong is we are so transactional as a society when we view men. It's very much right. Like we put 
how much a man makes or what he's able to bring to the table financially as like the end all be all. And that's very much like this exchange and trade off that we have been programmed right by the patriarchy to be good little worker bees and to create the money because that's where our worth lies. And that's where we have emasculated men and kept them small because they they have been taught and we have been conditioned to place their value in how much money they can bring to the table. And that's all that they're, that's all that's required of them. But we're really selling ourselves short because men, as you've said, right, men and women have masculine and feminine. And what you really want, if, if what you're, if you're listening to this and you're hearing Danielle and I talk about these amazing men who hold space for us and all of our emotions and everything that we are at our best days and at our worst days as well. And this sounds something like that you want to have in your life. If that sounds something that you're like, oh yeah, like, give me some of that, you know, what that requires is for you to be able to hold that, that vulnerable space and meet those parts within yourself so that you can co-create that connection with somebody else. Because if you're closed off and are not open to seeing yourself and, and your own emotions, you're going to attract somebody in that doesn't have those tools either. And so you're both just going to stay in these like fragmented wounded parts of you versus what Danielle and I are talking about is like alchemizing those parts and being able to share them with somebody else. So that other, that person can bear witness to the ups and the downs and the trials and the tribulations and the happiness, and the joy, like the full spectrum of humanity is contained in that relationship between the two of you versus staying small and viewing people from a very like, well, what can I get out of this? Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is that women say they want an emotional man. Women say they want a man in touch with his emotions. And I will tell you firsthand, the second Gabe's soft emotional center woke up, I emasculated it. I was unattracted to it. It was not the masculinity that I thought that I wanted in my life. And I had to take it. But luckily I'm conscious enough and aware enough that I noticed that thought because this was actually only like last year and because he'd, he'd held great space for me to be that person. But we always say we want an emotionally in touch man, emotionally available. Well, that man also has their own emotions, right? Exactly. They also <laughs> have their own fears. They can't just be the rock. If we're going to the say, robot. Or the robot. So if we're going to say that we want all that from them, they need all that from us. And it's probably not as often. They're more, you know, they're, they're probably better and in, in conditioned to have a baseline that is much stronger than ours. Yet, so when it first, when I first experienced it, I totally emasculated him. I was really uncomfortable. I didn't find it attractive. And like I said, I was aware enough to go, huh. I don't think that's a healthy space for you, Danielle. <laughs> I think you're projecting something onto Gabe. Where is this coming from? And I got to really look at that and, and, and be curious and look around and go, holy shit, we're doing that as a society. We're saying we want something. And when it happens, we literally push it away. It's unattractive. And what within us finds that unattractive? right? So tell me what does. 
Let's, let's tell everybody who that resonates with. Yeah. The first thing that comes up, right. Cause I'm like channeling now, I'm like sitting here listening to, and I'm getting into the deeper parts of like what the nuances are about this, because it kind of brings us back to the beginning of the conversation, right? When you were asking me about the work that I do, it's that women are blocking themselves. And so there there's behaviors and patterns that they're doing. And this is a perfect example of it. And what comes in is it's like you actually are wounded by the the masculine. You have had a lot of hurt and a lot of, you're holding on to a lot of resentment and pain. And so you don't know how to hold space for a divine masculine, right? Because divine masculine, like you said, is a man that can straddle both of those things. He can step up and, and be the rock and be the emotional foundation support that we need them to be. But they also know how to like soften into that space where they can ha- get, be in touch with their emotions. And so, so if you're turned off or you're getting like triggered or like the back, the hairs on the back of your neck kind of stand up when you see a man who's operating in that, that space of being able to be in touch with his divine masculine and divine feminine simultaneously, um, that really lets you know that you've got some masculine wounding because the way that you're viewing men or and the way that you're kind of like minimizing or othering it or shaming it, even if it's internal lets you know that you don't have a good connection to your own divine masculine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why so you don't know how we... to receive someone who is in that. So what happens when that goes unaddressed? What happens when, when your own wounded divine masculine goes unaddressed, mm-hmm. you will continue to attract assholes Mm-hmm. who manipulate, who gaslight you, who are verbally, emotionally, spiritually, mentally abusive because they're the personification of toxic masculine because that is a mirror of what you already believe about the masculine, right? Epigenetics is exactly. the beliefs that you have, you attract to create that reality, to prove it right. It's crazy what the subconscious mind does, right? Wow. Like. You, you want to control an outcome and you know exactly what you're going to get if you continue to go out and give your time, energy, body to people that you can kind of clock because you know exactly how it's going to end up. So mm-hmm. rather than go into the unknown, which is like this maybe uncomfortable space that feels icky or like is, is it triggers you, which would be a man who is maybe softer or knows how to be in that, that space you'll continue to be attracted to assholes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I, um, as I explored that myself, obviously in my relationship, you know, and and we're 10 years in. So like, there's like what they call the 10 year itch anyways, I could see how when a man finally feels comfortable to be vulnerable with you or has just straight up insecurities for the first time in their life, because they're at a life transition, right? Like we're all experiencing the, the deeper you go into relationship, the more tra- life quote unquote life transitions there are, right? There's aging transitions. There's your children's age. There's career transitions that, you know, there's moving, there's deaths and families, like people's own family, like parents die. And so there's just these like really big, dynamic transitions. And as you move through those, you become more nuanced in the range of emotion that you each experience. Right. And so I was witnessing Gabe have this more nuanced emotional experience 
that had a lot of vulnerability and insecurity to it. And I've never, ever witnessed Gabe like that. And so one, he felt safe enough to do it. And so I cultivated gratitude for that. That was my answer to the trigger, right? It was like, cultivate gratitude, cultivate gratitude. Like he's done this for you every single fucking time, like show up for him once. Right. And two, really look within and say, what is, where did this wound come from? Right. Like it's been so easy to emasculate my father. My dad is so masculine, but it's been so easy to be like, he does everything he does for him in security. And like, he's, been this and that. And he's a control freak. It's been so easy to just throw shit at my dad. And well, this is the, I'll, I'm the first to admit it in front of his face. He knows this about our relationship. We've healed a lot in the last several years in particular. So of course this is showing up for me. And of course my father is doing massive transform transformative work. He's seeing a therapist weekly. He's never done so in his 60 plus years of life. That's huge. And so it's huge. And so here he is showing up in new vulnerable ways where I don't get to just throw shit at him. I have to witness him as healed and whole. And so this is this reflection between my dad and me and Gabe. And um, yeah, it's been really beautiful to witness this transformation or this vulnerability in Gabe, which has led to transformation because the answer, the thing that you get out of that space, just like we receive when a man allows you to have your batshit crazy and you're all that you are, right? You're good and you're bad. You're ugly. Is safety and growth. We grow from that safe space. So to witness Gabe, like it was probably a heat, I don't know, it's been like a year, year and a half ago, go through this vulnerable moment in time. It became a more nuanced conversation. It became a more nuanced relationship. Instead of talking at just the end of the day, we started like walking by each other and having deep, meaningful conversations in like six minutes. Cause that's all we have time for during the day. We're, we're both working from home or on phone calls. And so we started to just touch base more and get closer and like learn about each other and it's evolved into so much just depth and I can really see Gabe and I can touch in with him in a way that he wasn't accessible to me before. And so I'm so grateful that I allowed myself to be triggered and then move through that and not just shut him down. Like my instinct was because now I can tap in with Gabe versus before it was like, I'd have to schedule time with Gabe almost like, here's the space where we have conversations like this. And here's where we don't. And the rest of the time you can be all you, but you don't get all of me. And now I get all of Gabe at any point in time. So the benefit has been, and the payoff, the payoff's been huge. I was just thinking about, you know, we were discussing the relationship at the beginning about how, you know, and I believe this, that you don't just have one soulmate, right? Like there's not just like one mm. shot at love. It's about um, when you find this relationship, it's the polishing of stones. And what you're describing is what I always talk about in the soulmate frequency of love, right? It's not about just having one soulmate. It's about there's this energy and a frequency and a dynamic that's created between a unconditional love for one another where you see each other. and when you're in this kind of relationship, 
why it is so important and pivotal to your own soul's expansion and growth is because what you were just describing is feeling safe to like go to those depths and see yourself through someone else's eyes and be willing to have those conversations with somebody and not feel that you're wrong for it, not feel ashamed for it. Because I see in a lot of relationships, people will avoid deeper conversations because they don't have the tools to navigate it. They don't have the communication or the partner isn't open to vulnerability or, you know, so both people kind of are little islands within the relationship. They're kind of just like stuck in the mundane. Yes, they're committed but they're kind of just like going through the motions and, and they're not really taking this opportunity to evolve and to exponentially expand each other. And that's so beautiful that you and Gabe have that relationship because that's exactly what Jay and I have. You know, we, since we've been together, we've been through some shit, you guys, like, you know, Like I picked up and moved to a new country. We were, it was in lockdown. My husband's entire event business during a a global pandemic had like completely like came to a standstill and Canada was like really serious about the lockdown. Um, And then, you know, we got pregnant and then we moved and came back to the United States. And so there's just been a lot of things that we've had to navigate that would potentially, you know, derail a relationship or cause a lot of fights or, you know, when things aren't going your way, you can really tell um, what's going on in the relationship, right? When stress or shit hits the fan. Um, And we've been able to navigate all of that with such grace and such consideration with each other. And we're stronger now than we've ever been. And our relationship hasn't been perfect, but it's because we continually keep showing up and allowing each other the space to expand and grow and not stay small out of fear. And I just, I think that's so important. If you want to be your best self with a partner and continue to like be a powerful woman, be a powerful person that goes after their goals and their dreams and have this amazing support system for everything that they want to like co-create in their life. So beautifully said. Um, it's nearing the end. I have, I want to ask you, what does rebellious reinvention mean to you? Mm. <laughs> Not giving a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> favorite answer. Exactly. Nailed it. You passed the quiz. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's exactly what it is though it's just not giving a fuck I think we're cut from the same cloth you and I religious <laughs> upbringings because for me it's funny because I ask I, I ask everybody that question and I love the interpretations and it's always somewhere along the lines of like not giving a fuck or having integrity towards self and um you know following your soul's path it's always really a beautiful interpretation but it's people tell me all the time and I've said this before, they're like, you're just so cool. And you know, I'm like, Oh my God, that's so weird to say to my face makes me uncomfortable, but okay, I'll take it. Cause I love cool. Um, <laughs> you are so cool. You're my I cool friend. Think, thanks. <laughs> um, but with, but what they're, I think they're really saying is like, you're always so cool, calm and collected. Like you're so confident and like you do it with swagger. And like, to me, that's just confidence. Right. But I wasn't, And I say like, I was born confident, but I was born into a dynamic where 
choosing myself meant I had to be fucking certain. Like that certainty that we talk about in sales or that certainty we talk about in relationship or that certainty, the certainty we talk about in manifestation, right? Like that being, I had to do that because I was born in a religious household where I didn't believe in what they were teaching me. And so I had to show up for myself and speak my truth or at least do my truth in the background. And at like eight years old, I knew that there was no heaven or hell at eight years old because I had a dream about quantum physics and I saw the men in black, you know, the men in black cat with the little ball on his necklace and there's, Uh he's like holding a universe in his necklace or in his, I think it was like Orion's belt or something. Yeah, exactly. It's Orion's belt. Exactly. That's so funny. So I was like, I had a dream that we were like a universe within a universe within a universe and like that you could create your own reality and that there was no heaven and hell. And so at eight years old, I woke up and my dad was like praying over me literally because I had a fever. So I had a fever dream, which was like so intense. And I didn't, I woke up super guilty, like, (gasps) what a bad thought I just had, you know? And then I was like, Mm -hmm. but I think it's true. And so I had to be resilient and rebellious and confident about that truth. And I had to preserve it like Orion's belt. Like, I, like when I saw that, that was like the truest thing to <laughs> Your me. Mind I was like, was that blown. was the dream. <laughs> Mine was blown. And I had to protect it like that, like that little secret. And so for me, rebelliousness was born out of trauma, but it's become my greatest asset and tool. And when used well, it's, you know, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's reinventive and it's, and it's a beautiful asset. So I feel like we both have that birth from birth from a little of the religious trumps, you know? Yeah. And now that we've <laughs> alchemized it, right. We've left uh-huh. behind the, the wounded part of it as of the aspect that kept us small and was exactly. very reactionary. And now we have integrated and embodied the best parts of not giving a fuck, right? Like leaving behind the self doubt and the, um, the, the worthlessness or the shame or the fear, or whatever. And now we are these like two bar- powerful, badass bitches. Bitches. Oh, so well said. So well said, Brie. So beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We just know how to step into that. It's the uh, embodying the truth of who you are and not allowing others to make you feel a kind of way about really reflecting that out into the world and shining really, really brightly and, um, and owning that unapologetically. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time. What what do we have to look forward to? Because I know by the time this podcast airs, you will likely have a new website and all sorts of great things happening. So I know you mentioned your signature course, Relationship Rehab. Will that still be a container? Yes. My Relationship Rehab is my like my sweet sauce. It's like the, the essence of uh, everything that I do with one-on-one private clients, um, I take clients through this entire program that will like upgrade, embody all of these truths in order for you to be able to call in this really high-powered, um, authentic relationship. Um, so I'll, I'll have that definitely. And um, also, I want to invite you guys to book a psychic reading with me, a psychic love reading. We can get really specific on what it is that is blocking you or stopping you from 
showing up and calling in everything that is meant for you in this life. Gorgeous. And we'll leave a discount code for them in the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, what else? A uh, new website, you'll have relationship rehab. You'll have, you have your psychic love readings, which is so cool. I'm going to do one. I've never done a psychic yeah. reading with you, Bree. Yeah. And let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. And um, what other, what other ways can we see you show up in 2023? Absolutely. So the entire website that I've been building out is my entire membership platform. So all of my mini courses, live trainings, webinars are all going to be on my website. It's yoursoulmatementor.com. So if there's any access point, no matter what your budget is, no matter how much, you know, support you want from me, there's something for everybody there. So I encourage you to just go scope around and see what calls to you. And um, yeah, look forward to connecting with whoever I'm designed to work with. I love that. Thank you so much for your time, Brie. We will catch up soon. Thanks. Love you. Love you. Every week we have a reoccurring segment and I share my favorite things, tangible products to use, things to walk away with above and beyond the inspiration of these conversations. Think, what if it's not them? It's you. I am an open book when it comes to my relationship with my fiance, Gabe. We were on and off and on and off when we began dating. I mean, for like two solid years. It wasn't until we went to a conscious uncoupling therapist to try to neutralize our feelings for one another so that we could finally break up for good that I learned that I was equally part of the problem. Trust me until then, I thought it was all him. When I began to really look within myself and heal the trauma and the patterns, not only did it resolve most of our issues, cliff notes here, because he also did the work, but when I began to heal those parts of myself that were sharp and untrusting, triggered and angry, I began to actually see someone different in him. So often we look at the world around us through our traumatized lens, thus attracting our mirror directly to us. Gabe and I were lucky. We were both willing to do the inner work and the outer work. That is an exception. But whether or not you are in a relationship or not in one yet, it begins with you. So my do, do a psychic soulmate reading with Brie. Navigating love and relationships can be a tricky one. Brianna offers psychic love readings that will give you the clarity that you need, whether it's your current relationship or X, or just curious about when your soulmate is going to show up, you can literally show her a picture of somebody you want a psychic guidance on, and she can tell you if it has potential or if you should run for the hills. It is your time to get clarity on everything to do with your soulmate. So go sign up for her psychic soulmate readings. We will leave you a discount code here. And Get the intuitive guidance around specific spiritual, emotional, and energetic blocks that are preventing you from experiencing the love you are destined for in this lifetime. If you want to dive deeper with Brie, apply for her one-on-one coaching spots or her membership program. She has access for you at every angle, every financial angle. So dig in. I hope you loved this podcast. Please like, subscribe, follow. But most importantly, if you're feeling extra generous today, I would really, really appreciate if you would give it a review. Reviews mean the world and a share, a review and a share. You know, if you're going to do the review, you might as well copy and paste that link and share it. But it 
means the world to us here at Hoff Studios and Rebellious Reinvention that you support our podcast with just that little two extra minutes of love. It makes all the difference in the world and our ratings and getting these messages out to more people who deserve to hear. Thank you so much. Have an amazing rebellious day. We love you. 